Welcome to That You May Grow Thereby, a work of the Northern Kentucky Church of Christ. We are located at 18 Scott Drive in Florence, Kentucky. Our phone number is 859-371-2095. You can also visit us at www.nkcofc.com. And now, that you may grow thereby. Thank you for listening to That You May Grow Thereby. My name is Greg Littmer. I am one of the elders of the Northern Kentucky Church of Christ. And for the episode today, I thought we would talk about reconciliation. And I mean reconciliation to God through Christ. To do so, we'll begin by looking at Colossians chapter 1, verses 19 through 23. Again, that is Colossians chapter 1, verses 19 through 23. Here is what Paul wrote. For it was the Father's good pleasure for all the fullness to dwell in him, and through him to reconcile all things to himself, having made peace through the blood of his cross. Through him, I say, whether things on earth or things in heaven. And although you were formerly alienated and hostile in mind, engaged in evil deeds, yet he has now reconciled you in his fleshly body through death, in order to present you before him holy and blameless and beyond reproach, if indeed you continue in the faith firmly established and steadfast, and not moved away from the hope of the gospel that you have heard, which was proclaimed in all creation under heaven, and of which I, Paul, was made a minister. Sometimes conflict develops between two people that results in their separation, and a gulf being created between them. At other times, one person offends another, causing the offended one to separate, perhaps we could even say, to withdraw from the one who has done the offending. Reconciliation is necessary in order to bring people back together, and we can only talk about reconciliation when an actual break, a real separation between parties has occurred. Through sin, man has offended God, and this has separated man from him. The well-known passage from Isaiah chapter 59 verses 1 and 2 shows the seriousness of what we're talking about. Isaiah wrote, Behold, the Lord's hand is not so short that it cannot save, neither is his ear so dull that it cannot hear. But your iniquities have made a separation between you and your God, and your sins have hidden his face from you, so that he does not hear. Reconciliation is needed, and there are three parties involved in it. There is the offender, the offended, and the mediator. Since God knew that this broken relationship would arise due to the sins of man, he devised a plan that would make the necessary reconciliation possible. First of all, man is the offender. Ever since the sin of Adam and Eve, their descendants have followed suit and sinned in some way. In Romans chapter 3, verse 23, we are told, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. The result of rebellion against God's way is separation from Him. When we think about it, this break has to be so. I say that because John wrote in 1 John chapter 1, verses 5 and 6, And this is the message we have heard from Him and announced to you that God is light, and in him there is no darkness at all. 
If we say that we have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. Those who live habitually in the darkness of sin cannot have fellowship with God. As we have seen, our sins separate us from him. Unforgiven sinners are described as being afar off in Ephesians 2.13 and alienated from God because of their evil deeds in Colossians chapter 1 and verse 21. Secondly, God is the offended. God loves righteousness and hates sin. Look at Romans chapter 1 verse 18. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. While it is necessary to understand this in the context of the psalm, look at what Psalm 5.5 tells us of the seriousness of sin in the eyes of God. The boastful shall not stand before thine eyes. Thou dost all who do iniquity. Because of God's justice and holiness, he cannot just let a sin go. He cannot just ignore it. This may not be the best example, but if someone broke into another's house and smashed the furniture, dumped trash all over the floor, and stole all of the electronic devices, justice would demand that the wrong done be made right. This would mean restitution to the offended party and possible jail time for the destruction of what was in the house. Sin offends God. In the court of God, so to speak, the just punishment for sin is pointed out in Romans chapter 6, verse 23. Paul told us, For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. All are worthy of death, because as we have seen, all sin and fall short of the glory of God. In order to understand what offends God and can bring spiritual death, we must understand what he considers to be sin. We can sin by engaging in things contrary to what we believe to be pure and right. Romans chapter 14 and verse 23 tells us, But he who doubts is condemned if he eats, because his eating is not from faith, and whatever is not from faith is sin. We sin by acting outside of the parameters of God's law. In 1 John 3 and verse 4, it indicates that to be the case when we find these words, Everyone who practices sin also practices lawlessness, and sin is lawlessness. Look at 1 John chapter 5, verse 17. It tells us all unrighteousness is sin, and there is a sin not leading to death. And also we sin by falling to do the good that we know we should do. Look at James chapter 4 and verse 17. Therefore to the one who knows to do the right thing and does not do it, to him it is sin. When measuring sin by God's standard, we must conclude with him that there is none righteous, not even one. That's Romans 3 and verse 10. This means that all of us have offended God. If we say that we have no sins or have not sinned, we deceive ourselves and are in fact calling God a liar, according to 1 John chapter 1, verses 8 and 10. Because of our sins, we are unrighteous, and we have nothing, nothing that we can do on our own will make right the sins that we have committed before God. This then takes us to 1 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 5. 
Paul wrote, For there is one God and one mediator also between God and men, the man, Christ Jesus. Jesus is our mediator. He is the only one who can mediate between us and God to bring us to the friendly terms with him, to close that breach and mend the separation. He is the one through whom reconciliation can be found. Jesus became human so that he could understand us and mediate for us. My friends, look at Hebrews chapter 2, verse 17. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 17. We are told, Therefore he had to be made like his brethren in all things, that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in all things pertaining to God, to make propitiation for the sins of the people. Jesus can be touched by our weaknesses because he was tempted in all things as we are, yet without sin, according to Hebrews 4 and verse 15. If he had not become human, he would not have been in the position to fully and justly mediate for us. When we think about Jesus being deity, it means that he is on equal standing with the Father and can be respected by the Father as our mediator. Jesus is equally related to man and God. In John chapter 1 verse 14 we are told, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, glory as of the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and truth. He was the Son of God, and fulfilled the title of the Son of Man, only Jesus was uniquely qualified to occupy the position of mediator between man and God. Jesus made possible the friendship that exists between God and those who are his by taking man's sins on himself and receiving the punishment of death from those sins. In order to do this, he had to be sinless. As the sinless Son of Man and Son of God, he took our sins upon himself so that we could be made righteous, a truly incredible thing. Just think of the meaning, just think of the significance of a few simple verses. 1 Corinthians 15 verse 3 tells us, For I delivered to you as of the first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. Turn over to 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 21. We find, He made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Look again now at 1 Peter chapter 2 verses 21 through 24. You are told, For you have been called for this purpose, since Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example for you to follow in his steps who committed no sin, nor was any deceit found in his mouth. And while being reviled, he did not revile in return. While suffering, he uttered no threats, but kept entrusting himself to him who judges righteously. And he himself bore our sins in his body on the cross, that we might die to sin and live to righteousness, for by his wounds you were healed. Do you remember how John the Baptist described Jesus in John chapter 1, verse 29? The verse tells us the next day he saw Jesus coming to him and said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. The death of a man, especially a sinful man, cannot pay for the sins that man has committed, much less the sins of the whole world. For an exception to be made, 
someone would have to be of equal or of greater value than all of mankind. Jesus was just such a person. He was a greater value than all the world, totally undefiled and without stain. Therefore, he was able to take all our sins on himself and pay the debt that we owe. Through his death, he opened the way to be forgiven. He made it possible for us to be friends with God and to have reconciliation with God. And so let's go back to Colossians chapter 1 and reread verses 19 through 22. It tells us, For it was the Father's good pleasure for all the fullness to dwell in him, and through him to reconcile all things to himself, having made peace through the blood of his cross. Through him, I say, whether things on earth or things in heaven, and although you were formerly alienated and hostile in mind, engaged in evil deeds, yet he has now reconciled you in his fleshly body through death, in order to present you before him holy and blameless and beyond reproach. Through the shed blood of Jesus on the cross, he provided a way for us to be at peace with God and gave us the opportunity to be, to be presented before God holy, blameless, and beyond reproach. The very same thing is put in just a slightly different way in Ephesians chapter 5, verses 23 through 27, when Paul wrote the following, For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ also is the head of the church, he himself being the Savior of the body. But as the church is subject to Christ, so also the wives ought to be to their husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives, just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself up for her that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, that he might present to himself the church in all her glory, having no spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and blameless. We are the offenders, the sinners, and God is the offended because of our sins. Because of our participation in sin, we become enemies of God. That's James chapter 4 and verse 4. But Jesus made possible the friendship we have with God and had before we broke it and made reconciliation necessary. God has done all he planned to do and all he needed to do to bring about our reconciliation with him. He has provided us with knowledge of this reconciliation through the word of reconciliation which reveals to us that our trespasses do not need to be held against us any longer. Just think about the meaning of 2 Corinthians 5.19, namely, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and he has committed to us the word of reconciliation. However, if we were to continue on one more verse in 2 Corinthians 5, we would find that reconciliation requires a response on our part. Paul wrote in verse 20, Therefore we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God were entreating through us. We beg you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. This reconciliation is in Christ, and my friends, there is only one way I know of to get there. We'll close with Galatians chapter 3, verses 26 and 27. For you are all the sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For all of you who were baptized into Christ 
have clothed yourself with Christ. Reconciliation, the ability to close the gulf between ourselves and God through our obedience to the gospel and the blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. Thanks for listening.